Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. So glad you're with us for the Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Your stool is ready. We've got good, bad, and crazy martinis for conservatives. And the first one's really just great news for everybody. This whole private industry of spaceflight is absolutely fascinating. We've spent good martinis on Elon Musk and SpaceX. Uh, I think we probably talked about Richard Branson if we didn't devote a full martini to him. And certainly uh, Blue Origins with Jeff Bezos, who we're not big fans of for a lot of other reasons. But this whole private industry going into spaceflight, especially when NASA has scaled back so much in the past decade plus, uh, just amazing to watch. Watching the solid rocket boosters actually land on a specific landing pad compared to what they used to do when we were kids with the space shuttles and stuff, Jim's absolutely amazing. The big headline today, of course, as uh, the Blue Origins' new Shepard mission went into space was that Captain Kirk was on board, 90-year-old William Shatner, breaking the record for the oldest person in space. And of course, anybody who's been fascinated with Star Trek uh, is loving this opportunity uh, to see Captain Kirk go up there, return safely to the earth of course that's a really important part too which happened it was delayed a little bit but everything seemed to go smoothly once the launch happened it uh, was about 11 minutes so watching William Shatner get that opportunity and watching the private sector at work in such an amazing way very cool you know Greg um, the fact that these private space companies it's not like they need this the attention it's not like they need to call greater attention to what they're doing. This was going to be big news no matter what they did, but the idea, like, you just would never see NASA saying, hey, let's take William Shatner and let's put him up in space. It's just not the way a government agency thinks compared to what a private company could say, hey, we're going to do this. And obviously, this has led to, you know, a great deal of enjoyment and all kinds of jokes on social media. And I I just, Greg, I I just can't not do Shatner when we're discussing this topic. It's... (laughs) Too irresistible a force because there's two things you need to notice about this particular Blue Origin mission into outer space where no man has gone before. The first, did you take a good look at the uniforms? You notice they're all blue, Greg. No one goes into space with William Shatner with a red shirt. They know it doesn't work out well. The second observation, Shatner's there. He's strapped in. They're ready for blastoff and he's ready to move beyond the surly bonds of Earth. He looks out the window. Greg, there's a monster on the wing. Can't you see it? It's on the wing. Yeah, I spent way too much time running around the house doing my Shatner impression. (laughs) Very good. Very good. But yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing to watch. And nicely blending Star Trek and uh, Twilight Zone there with your William Shatner impressions. But uh, yeah, it's just fascinating to watch. I hope Jeff Bezos spends a whole lot more time on that than... uh, indoctrinating us through the Washington Post and a lot of other uh, different ways. But uh, yeah, kudos to the private sector. Um, There may be some uh, federal grants involved here, but I don't know exactly what the story is on that. But uh, nonetheless, uh, with our official space program mothballed in certain ways, uh, it's great to see the uh, the private sector stepping up. And uh, you never know what sort of research is going to come out of that. So many different products, uh, maybe even medicines, different things, not just Tang, uh, has come into our everyday lives because of uh, the space program. So uh, hoping that continues to be the case. And of course, glad everybody's home safely. The question now is, you know, do you go get Patrick Stewart? Do you go get uh, George Takai? Do you get Walter Koenig? Uh, LeVar Burton would probably ask to go and then be denied like Jeopardy. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that would well, be sad. 
Greg, my first thought was that, you know, Elon Musk was going to want to one-up him and then go out and find, if it's the same you passed away, shame you passed away, Ricardo Montalban <laughs> in space at the same time. Or even worse, at some point, one of these other space billionaires might bring out uh, Malcolm McDowell. Uh, for the 3% of our <laughs> listeners who are Trekkies, I'll, I'll let you guys enjoy that. That's how, that's how Captain Kirk died. Dr. Soren got him. So. <laughs> Oh, man, it would have been really funny if SpaceX had, uh, yeah, like you said, launched the same day if Montalban was still alive and just gone up a little bit earlier. And then Shatner would have been, you know, second up into space that day and he could have done his whole. (laughs) All right. Nerd time is over. Let's move on to our fantastic sponsor uh, for the day, and that is Wild Alaskan Company. We all know we should be eating more fish to get our omega-3s and proteins, but the seafood counter can be very intimidating and sometimes pricey. Which fish tastes the best? What type of cut? Can you really be sure about the quality? Well, Wild Alaskan Company takes the guesswork out of buying wild-caught seafood. You know, we just had some uh, delivered to the house a couple of days ago. It uh, defrosted real easy. It absorbed the flavor from the the marinade. It was just, you know, everything you'd want in a fish. Wild Alaskan Company delivers high-quality, sustainably sourced, wild-caught seafood right to your door. Each shipment contains premium cuts of individually wrapped portions of delicious seafood that are ready to prepare and easy to cook. Choose from salmon, cod, halibut, and more, or a combination of them. And every month there are different specials to explore. Now, Wild Alaskan Company seafood is how nature intended it to be, which means it's always wild, never farmed or modified, and it contains no antibiotics. You can adjust, pause, or cancel your membership anytime, and they offer a 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Yeah, we love Wild Alaskan Company, too. Uh, We have had the salmon. We also got a a new box recently. Can't wait to uh, not only have more salmon, but there's cod in there. Uh, Other types of fish. uh, Very, very excited to to know that that's going to be an excellent meal very, very soon. And right now, Three Martini Lunch listeners can get $15 off your first box of premium seafood when you visit wildalaskancompany.com slash martini. That's Wild Alaskan, A-L-A-S-K-A-N, company.com slash martini for $15 off your first box. Wildalaskancompany.com slash martini. Now be sure to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. All right, Jim, we have to get back to regular ugly politics now. And for that and our bad martini, we head to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. She was uh, at a press conference up on Capitol Hill yesterday And Nicole Killian of CBS News says, you know, our polling shows that most Americans have no idea what's in your legislation. So do you need to do a better job of selling it? And Pelosi's response on a couple of different levels is quite telling. Here's what she said. Our latest CBS News poll shows that only about 10 percent of Americans describe themselves as knowing a lot of specific things that are in the reconciliation package and that the majority don't know anything at all. So do you think you need to do a better job at messaging and going forward, how do you sell this if ultimately you have to... Well, I think you all could do a better job of selling it, to be very frank with you, because every time I come here, I go through the list. Family medical leave, climate, uh, the the issues that are in there. Well, first of all, Jim, the fact that at the very end, she couldn't actually remember what was in the bill herself was was pretty telling. Uh, A lot of stuff, obviously, with that price tag. But the idea, Jim, that she expects the media to not only explain what's in it, but to sell it, quote unquote, is amazing. The question is whether the reporters in the room are going to be like, oh, yeah, okay, we got it. 
Yeah, I guess, Greg, we should be pleasantly surprised the response was not, we're sorry, Madam Speaker. We didn't mean to let you down. We'll try harder. Um, maybe this is another one of those Michael Kinsey gaffes where a politician accidentally tells the truth. I think this is kind of revealing that Speaker Pelosi believes the job of the media is to go out and help the Democrats sell their agenda. And if they're not doing that, then something's wrong and that this is bad journalism and that someone's being derelict in their duties and, and, and something like that. Um, kind of this couples of something we were talking about earlier in the week where, where Democrats were like, why, wait, we're throwing money at people. Why are people not loving us? Why are people not exciting? And I kind of, you know, uh, talked about that. You know, the, we've had a whole bunch of the core concepts of what it takes to succeed in politics challenged over the last decade or so. Um, there was a time where, you know, uh, being a complete political outsider in the form of, of Donald Trump or being a uh, relatively inexperienced senator in the form of Barack Obama were seen as impediments to political success. And in fact, actually now, um, you know, both of them succeeded in being elected to the presidency. That's, that's you know, oh, the idea that you had to have been politics for a while, the idea that you needed experience. Well, it turns out, no, no, the public didn't. Uh, half the things Trump did were seen as unbelievably uh, controversial and antagonistic and really riled people up. And that was, you know, was not enough to stop him from being elected in 2016. And I think a lot of people who, who like him would say, no, no, that was a big core part of his appeal. Um, Joe Biden probably would have been seen as over the hill by a lot of observers. And Greg, it turns out that he is. I mean, uh, the point I was going with here was that, you know, maybe being in your 70s, knocking on the door of 80, isn't an impediment to political success. You can look at both him and Bernie Sanders, right? So we've had all of these things challenged. Maybe one of the big things that needs to be challenged is one, maybe people don't necessarily want giant, massive government spending programs, even if they're going to benefit or they think some of the money is going to come their way because they don't really feel like it makes that much of a difference in their lives and it doesn't you know, seem to be worth the cost. And then secondly on this, maybe it's not a good idea to take a bazillion pieces of your agenda, smoosh them all into this giant multi-trillion dollar omnibus style you know, giant spending bill and try to pass it that way. If you've got a popular part of your agenda, try passing that just by itself, see what happens. I think I have a hard time believing you'll be working out for Democrats worse than their current approach is working for them now. No, I think that's a good point. And I think it speaks very poorly of most Democrats on Capitol Hill. I mean, you've got Manchin and Cinema in the Senate and a handful or less uh, House members on the Democratic side who uh, aren't in love with the reconciliation bill. That means literally everyone else is pretty much whatever leadership wants, whatever Biden wants. I'm totally on board, not pushing for really any major changes or subtractions, additions, anything else. But uh, they're just going along with whatever leadership throws on the table without uh, any sort of uh, negotiation effort whatsoever, which is pretty sad. But, Jim, usually we have a, a kind of a, a weird, dark ending to our good martinis. How about a bright ending to our bad martini today? Because uh, Kirsten Cinema has talked a little bit with Politico. She says she's not negotiating with Schumer or Pelosi. She's only negotiating with the White House. And she tells them, I'm not mysterious. It's not that I can't make up my mind. I communicated my agenda, like in terms of spending amount and what program she wants, in detail. They just don't like what they're hearing. If that wasn't good enough, uh, it says there really isn't anything known as uh, Manchinema, we said cinnamon, because Manchin and Cinema, in addition to not liking the uh, the bill that the Democratic leadership has thrown out there, they aren't in agreement on what they want to change. So there's a lot of uh, problems happening right now for the Democrats to get to 50 plus Kamala. So uh, I, I think that's a nice way to end a bad martini. 
All right, let's move on to my pillow and the wonderful products they uh, offer our listeners. We always talk about the pillows and the towels and the slippers and so forth, but the sheets are fantastic as well. So comfortable, so soft, by far our favorite uh, set of sheets. And for a limited time, Three Martini Lunch listeners can buy one and get one free on any Giza Dream Sheets. All you have to do is use our promo code MARTINI when you go to MyPillow.com. Imagine sliding into the most comfortable sheets you will ever own, guaranteed. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, which is grown only in a region between the Sahara Desert, the Mediterranean Sea, and the Nile River. The long staple cotton makes these sheets ultra soft and breathable. They're available in a variety of colors and sizes. They're machine washable, and they come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a one-year limited warranty. For a limited time, buy one, get one free on all Giza Dream Sheets. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener's square, and use the promo code MARTINI at checkout. Or call 800-874-0104 and find deep discounts on all MyPillow products. That includes the MyPillow mattress topper, the MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. Don't miss the sale of the year. That's MyPillow.com, promo code MARTINI. Or call 800-874-0104. Sleep better with MyPillow.com. All right, Jim, we have uh, roasted the Democrats in our bad martini. We need to do that a little bit here in our crazy martini for a Republican member of Congress. And it's one we like. Michelle Steele, brand new Republican, elected in Orange County, California, knocked off Harley Ruda to uh, win back a seat that Republicans held for a very long time. But her latest legislative proposal seems a bit off target. Uh, One of the things we've uh, talked about recently is the fact that we've got a supply chain issue. And one of the reasons for that is you got a ton of cargo ships off various coasts of our country who can't get into port. Rack them, stack them, and pack them, as Fred Thompson said in uh, Die Hard 2. Um, And then, as a result, one of those ships, or maybe multiple ships, tried to uh, drop anchor off the coast, and they believe that might be the reason for the ruptured oil pipeline off the California coast uh, in recent weeks. And so, Michelle Steele is introducing legislation. Her legislation would ban cargo ships off the coast of Orange County. As she says on Twitter, ships anchored for weeks and months off our coast likely caused last week's oil spill. Reports show that the pipe, quote, may have been struck several other times by ship anchors off the coast. Her legislation, the Ship Act, would ban cargo ships from idling or anchoring in the coastal waters of Southern California for the next 180 days. She says it's time to get the ports working again and get these ships moving and out of our waters. Well, Jim, yeah, getting the ports open, getting the ships in there would be the way to solve this. Banning ships from idling off the coast when they can't do that would be like legislation banning traffic jams because people are stuck behind an accident. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, getting angry at uh, the ships sitting out there. Well, the ships don't want to sit out there. The ships want to get their goods into port as quick as they possibly can, get them unloaded and then get on to the next job. That's, you know, load up the new stuff. Um, You know, I've generally people who are, uh, watching this this dynamic, uh, there's been a somewhat too convenient explanation for why um, people aren't uh, going back to work. We we talked about the bad economic numbers and kind of this frustrating sta- state of you know why are people having a hard time? Why are, why are employers having a hard time finding workers and stuff like that? The lack of workers at these ports who are who are qualified and ready to run the cranes and unload the stuff like that's that's a factor, but it's not really 
the factor. And some people say, oh, you know, people are leaving their jobs because of vaccine mandates. I, I don't doubt that's occurred in some of these cases, but it does not appear to be that this is the, that they would say that's the primary reason there. Um, it sounds like it's a cascading effect. It's, yes, yeah, some of this is the pandemic and, and the kind of changing from the, the screeching halt the world economy came to during the pandemic to getting restarted. Some of it is uh, various ports around the world that have closed down because of this, including in China. China told us they had the whole virus under uh, under control and they keep insisting, oh, we only had a dozen cases and stuff like that. It's kind of funny how the Delta variant just tears through India and has no effect on China. But anyway, a couple big ports in China have been shut down for like more than a week or two. That causes a big buildup. You have, you know, in some cases, shortage of workers. I believe the port over in Los Angeles or Long Beach, they've really wanted to go to 24 hours. And, and uh, you know, the, uh, the unions were not big fans of that. But when you have this kind of buildup, building up, sounds like uh, the Biden administration is going to talk to the uh, people who run the ports. And it sounds like maybe they'll lean on the unions a bit and try to push them to get them operating 24 hours a day instead of stuff like that. But each one of these, like, you know, we have this extraordinarily interconnected supply chain part. So if you don't get the stuff off the ship quick, well, then that means the trucks don't go off to the stores carrying the stuff, or they don't go to the central warehouse. And if they don't have a central warehouse, it doesn't get to the store. And, you know, the, the component parts to things don't go up. That's why you're seeing car uh, manufacturers, you know, idle their plants for a month or two because they can't find enough chips. It is this cascading effect. And I think one of the things that's going to, you know, you're going to have this, you know, building frustration. Uh, I've talked about this in yesterday's jolt, and I kind of mentioned about this, this kind of eye-opening quote from a guy who said, "Yeah, if it wasn't on the, sh- it wasn't in the water a month ago, it's not going to be here for Christmas." And you've now got like major manufacturers and big companies chartering their own boats and trying to figure out what ports are open, who's got a place who can unload them, uh, so we can work around the usual channels because we got to get it straight from the manufacturer to our our own part of the supply chain. Um, I think if this shakes out as badly as they're saying, they really are sounding the alarm. There's a fascinating little uh, kind of first person account from the longshoremen. Um, I believe it's over at Business Insider. Jenny Powers was the uh, person who kind of put it together from firsthand accounts of longshoremen. Um, sounds like they're, you know, they're, they're struggling to keep up, uh, that there's just, you know, so much coming in and each day it gets a little bit worse. Um, you know, Port of Los Angeles and Long Beach, I guess it does like 40% of all inbound uh, trade here in the United States, one of the busiest ports in the world. Once a buildup starts, it is hard for them to catch up. They just don't have the manpower. They just don't have the equipment. They just don't. And it's not like you can just take somebody off the street and say, okay, go operate a, a power crane. <laughs> you know, you need people who are properly trained for this sort of thing. And it's also possible that during the pandemic, people who were thinking about retirement retired, people who were thinking of leaving the industry moved on to something else. And everybody kind of just, you know, the supply of trained workers is just not, you know, readily accessible the way people are hoping it would be. So you add it all up, it's a really complicated problem. And my, if things get worse, my guess is that the, as much as the Biden administration might be saying, oh my God, Afghanistan went so badly. Oh my goodness, the, the situation on the border and ah, God, people are complaining about inflation. If the store shelves are empty come Christmas, that's going to make all of the previous problems of this year look like a tea party by comparison. So the problem is not the ships. <laughs> Sorry, Michelle. Stay, you, you know, we love you. You're great. But uh, just seems really off base on this one. Off target on that one. I, I, at one point, I, I read this as she just wants them to, you know, linger off the coast somewhere else than Orange County. But no, it says uh, no idling or anchoring in the coastal waters of Southern California for the next one. Where do you want minutes. them to go? Just further offshore, I guess. <laughs> I like, don't I don't. That's that's not really fixing the problem. You know, it's, it's a parking space issue. <laughs> 
exactly. All right. Well, let's hope we can start getting some stuff unloaded uh, back at a normal pace. But uh, until then, Jim, we'll do it again tomorrow. See you then. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Do subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast if you don't already. I mean, where else are you going to get those kind of William Shatner impressions? It's literally, literally a treasure right here on this podcast. Tell your friends about us as well. Uh, thanks also for your uh, five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Those are extremely helpful to us. Get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Wednesday, and please join us again on Thursday for the next Three Martini Lunch. American veterans leaped into action to save American citizens and our Afghan allies when our government did not. But did you know why they did it? And how much our veterans are struggling as they watch Afghanistan taken over by the Taliban? On the latest Sarah Carter Show, I'll be joined by retired Lieutenant Colonel Scott Mann of the Pineapple Express to discuss why Americans need to understand the sacrifices of our heroes and how he's trying to help veterans heal. Subscribe to The Sarah Carter Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.